I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yeah. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'll, the Bachelor? Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. Clues. Underwear drawers... They're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go-to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and my, um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no rollback waistband. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, Me Undies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash roses. That's MeUndies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies, comfort 
from the outside in. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. Podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us again. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us again. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us again. Welcome to Game of Roses, Christmas Eve edition. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues. The opening clip you heard was a remix of Please Rate This Podcast done by Paul Woodward, an early Christmas gift for us here at Gore. We hope you all enjoyed it too. And we are, of course, still reeling from this week's events in our beloved game, the big finale. Zach takes home the ring. More importantly, Zach takes off on Instagram. That too, as does Tasha. <laughs> Everybody's blowing up right now in the Bachelor community, and we're preparing for the next show that starts in a fucking week. Matt James, first black bachelor. So much is going on right now at the end slash beginning of the next year. We also have a vaccine. Everything is operating at a hundred percent, a hundred and ten percent right yes. now. All systems are a go, and we are very happy to be with you on Christmas Day to give you right. this week in Bachelor Nation. You know what you're going to get. You're going to get some news. You're going to get some screams. You're going to get those parasocial plays of the week. You're going to get some goons. <laughs> <laughs> and before any of that, as you know, we always start this week in Bachelor Nation with Game of Roses. State of the World. It is the week of Christmas, and we know we normally talk about how the world is ending and there's nothing we can do about it in uh, Game of Roses State of the World, but this week, as we reflect on the worst year in many of our lives and look forward to 2021 with a little more hope that things will get better, we thought we'd highlight something that is incredibly good in the news this week. Mackenzie Scott, the recent ex-wife of Jeff Bezos of Amazon, has given away almost $6 billion this year to various charities. Her biggest donations came as the result of what she called the wrecking ball of the pandemic over the past six months. She is on record as saying economic losses and health outcomes alike have been worse for women, for people of color, and for people living in poverty. Meanwhile, it has substantially increased the wealth of billionaires. Scott is the third richest woman in the world with an estimated net worth of $55 billion. She received 4% of Amazon in her divorce from Bezos and has vowed to give away most of her wealth during the course of her lifetime. These recent donations span a variety of organizations that fulfill basic needs, such as food banks, emergency relief funds, but she's also helping places with more long-term goals like underfunded universities. Scott said she is interested mostly in trying to lend aid to, quote, 
Systemic inequities that have been deepened by the crisis, debt relief, employment training, credit and financial services for under-resourced communities, education for historically marginalized and underserved people, civil rights advocacy groups, and legal defense funds that take on institutional discrimination. She has targeted institutions that benefit underserved communities, like a $40 million donation she gave to Morgan State University, a historically black college in Baltimore, and several donations to 43 different YMCA associations nationwide, all of which have experienced incredible financial hardship due to the pandemic. No other billionaire has given away this much this quickly, including her ex-husband, Jeff Bezos. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Something good happening in the world coming from (laughs) an ex-member of the Bezos family. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I read this and I was just like, fuck, this is what literally all billionaires should be doing. If you have a billion or more dollars, in this case, she has almost 60. She's just like, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to give away 10% of this this year to all of these places that need it in ways no one can even imagine. Meanwhile, her husband is just hoarding all of his money as he continues to make shit loads more of it during the pandemic. There has always been so much suffering in the world, but I don't know if it's ever been so in our faces as at this moment. And yeah, sitting on that type of money feels immoral. I don't know how you could live with yourself at this point. But I guess at that point, you're sort of, I mean, most billionaires are just sitting on their money or they're investing it to make more money. They're not giving a huge percentage chunk of their money away. Sure, they might be giving a lot of money to charity, but it's infinitesimal compared to their whole worth. There was a character on Silicon Valley, if you ever watched that show, and I forget what his name was, but he was a venture capitalist. He would invest in these different projects that different tech people would come and pitch him. And he had a big painting in his living room that was just commas because he had a billion dollars. And that number, those commas, (laughs) that was his thing, you know? And like, yeah, that's funny, but it's funny because it speaks to the truth of what the nature of a billionaire truly is. It's competition, which is a form of greed. And it's just about getting that number higher. And if you're donating money away, you can't invest that money. That's money loss. No. Bezos only cares about having more money than anyone in history. I guarantee you he has a personal goal of becoming a trillionaire. Guaranteed. And the more money he gives away, the further he is from that goal. How can you guarantee that? <laughs> because he's not giving any just money away. he has this much money. Yes. And yeah. What else could he be using it for? He just wants to hit that. It's not about comfort or having a nice house or any of that shit anymore. Like, he can literally right. buy anything and does. So why is he continuing to accumulate this money? Even if he gave away every dollar he has and just lived off his Amazon salary, he would still be the richest person in the world. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't... Fucking matter, you know? He's trying to be the richest right. person of it's all time. It's just about that number. Totally. We should just tell him he's hit that number and then be like, well, time to give it away. There's always you another number. <laughs> He'll fucking go to the next one. Oh, God. You know, the last concert that I went to. It was a Jeff Bezos was, concert? <laughs> well, yes. What? It was his fetus. It was Grimes. I saw Grimes perform and she was pregnant with his baby. Well, at the time Grimes is pregnant with Jeff Bezos's child yeah no Elon right Musk together. oh fuck <laughs> <laughs> I 
was like, what in the fuck? I hadn't heard that Wait, story. Oh, God. Okay, whoops. <laughs> it's some old white asshole. I don't know. <laughs> He's another billionaire who doesn't give away enough money to charity. Right. Uh, not Jeff Bezos' baby. Musk, the Musk fetus. That was the last... Uh, baby that I saw perform. You know, at least Musk is Whoops. <laughs> pushing humanity forward. He may not be giving to charity, but at least his corporations that he's building that are for profit, designed to make him more money, are doing things like space travel, giving the internet to everybody globally. At least he's doing some things that are dragging us into the future. Yeah, but Bezos is giving everyone a lot of shit that they don't need all over the world. <laughs> Certainly he's created a new distribution chain for goods and services to people through Amazon so that you never have to leave your home. And call that good, call that bad, it certainly is more convenient. So I know what you all are thinking. How does any of this relate to Bachelor Nation? Well, the influencers of Bachelor Nation don't have a trillion dollars or even a billion. They do have a wealth of clout and influence, though. And... Just like the billionaires other than Mackenzie Scott have a choice of what to do with their money, so do the Bachelor Nation influencers have a choice of what to do with their clout and their influence. And some of them choose to use it for good. You have Joe Park showing himself getting vaccinated, updating everyone on whether he has any side effects of the vaccination or not. And then you have other members of Bachelor Nation who use their clout to get themselves more clout for self, self-serving purposes, and they don't try to accomplish some greater good with this. And it's definitely a choice, and there's a ratio of how much they are using it for good, how much they are using it for self-service. I would even go so far as to say there's a philosophical component to all of this. Money at this point is literally just a number in a computer somewhere. Instagram followers is literally just a number in a computer somewhere. And the basic desire of human competition is greed. Competition necessarily means I win, you lose. And if the competition is for these numbers, be they money or Instagram followers, I need more than you. A win in that category means I have more of that number than you do. I win, you lose. And everybody in our beloved game is competing for those numbers. They are competing to have more, to be greedier, to accumulate a larger amount than anyone else. And it's just unfortunately a part of human nature. We all have this in us to some degree. We all register somewhere on a scale of competition. How much are we willing to accept an amount of comfort over the next person beside us. I think that this Mackenzie Scott donation, while she has given away $6 billion, she still has $55 billion, you know? And I'm not saying that <laughs> that's bad at all. I, I'm sure there are tax things that prohibited and, and whatever, blah, blah, blah. But she, at the very least, is taking the biggest step forward in this idea of spreading that wealth, of getting rid of the billionaire class, of getting rid of this notion that competing for as much money as you can get is what we should be doing, when in fact the opposite is true. We should be reallocating all of these numbers so that everybody has the same number, and we can all live in relative comfort instead of having people that live 
so far beyond, it's not even just comfort. They can literally do anything. Jeff Bezos can do anything in the fucking world, including get out of all kinds of legal trouble, go to the moon if he wants. You know, I mean, he can literally buy these things. <laughs> Date crimes. <laughs> please let that happen let 2021 bring jeff bezos steals grimes from elon musk (laughs) the ultimate you heard it here on game of roses first a gore prediction (laughs) well thank you so much for indulging our state of the world we hope it's been informative and we hope you guys are having a good holiday season christmas if you're celebrating it just maybe a break from work if you're celebrating that. And now, after we just said no one should be focused on numbers or anything like that, <laughs> we proudly present This Week in Games. <laughs> <laughs> We're part of the problem. We This is literally Absolutely. complicit. <laughs> As you know, we're charting the ratings of the show and the Instagram gains of all the players for this season, so let's jump right in. This week saw the final two episodes of season 16 of The Bachelorette air on Monday and Tuesday night. Monday's game, which was round two of the playoffs, the Fantasy Suite round, pulled in a 1.2 in the 18-49 to year-old demographic, which was slightly below the seasonal average of 1.3, as was the 4.9 million total viewers. Tuesday's game, the finale saw a 16% climb in the demographic for Monday with a 1.4 rating and 5.5 million viewers. The only episode this season that outperformed the finale in raw viewers was episode four in which Claire Crawley departed the show early with Dale Moss. Ultimately, this season was successful ratings wise, give or take. It's unsure how to even gauge this because it was the pandemic and this season was airing far out of its normal two-month period and went into the holidays generally this is the only period of time where they don't have any bachelor franchise airing i'm sure there's going to be another bachelorette i think this did enough numbers it made enough money for the corporate greed machine that we will be being sold toothpaste again by a bachelorette and now let's talk instagram gains for the players The first Bachelorette to wear the season 16 crown, Claire Crawley, is holding steady at the 1 million follower mark. And the second Bachelorette of the season, Tasha Adams, added an incredible 300,000 followers this week, bringing her up to 1.6 million total. She continues to break records. If her parasocial postseason game is up to snuff, will she join the 2 million club? You asking me? Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? I think it's, that's a tough one. I don't think she's going to hit it only because no matter how good her parasocial game might be, Matt James begins his season in a week. I think every player from season 16 of Bachelorette literally has seven fucking days to do what they can do with whatever they got out of this. And then we don't give a shit. You're going to be iced right there because once fucking whatever it's 32 37 150 new players i don't know how many are on this next season but as soon as they step out of the limo all eyes are on them that's all we're going to be double tapping yeah i think probably she'll get runoff this week maybe an extra 100k bring her to 1.7 million but she's gonna have to do some extraordinary plays in the parasocial game in order to bring this over to mil or make 
an appearance on Matt James's season? That might give her a little bump, but we're looking at 400,000 Instagram followers she needs to get to hit yeah. 2 million. If she was up in the 1.8, I'm like, maybe. Maybe she could do some loop giveaways. Maybe she could crack into it. <laughs> she needs to call Tia and follow exactly what Tia says to do. <laughs> yeah. As it sits now, I don't see her cracking the 2 million club, but that takes away nothing from what she has done. A historic Instagram run no. from the first biracial African-American and Mexican bachelorette to ever wear the crown. She shattered the million follower club first time ever for a black player. Couldn't be more proud of the performance she has turned in on every level, both in the show and yeah. parasocially. And now for the top five follower gains. This is from last week when Clues did gains at 12.16, December 16th, to today. We are recording this on Christmas Eve, 12.24. Number one, Bachelor Clues predicted that we would have a parasocial sleeper who would become a juggernaut, Zach Clark. And this week, you fucking did. For his perfect game, his double play of the week, his double MVP status, Ring winner Zach Clark gained an incredible 397,800 on Instagram, shooting him through the 100K club, the 200K club, the 300K club, the 400K club. And now he sits comfortably on the precipice of the 500K club at 481K total. Second only to Dale Moss. This is the largest gain of the entire season. Dale Moss's largest single week gain was 56K. Bachelor Data, by the way, put his gains on a chart and it was a vertical line. <laughs> she was like, that's not an error. That is Zach Clark. <laughs> I felt it early in the season when he started to push himself forward. Really, when he did his five-part PTC, I was like, something about this guy. He got it. He got that thing, whatever it was. And I started looking at his Instagram and he wasn't really posting anything. His first real mm -hmm. post of this season didn't come until he posted a picture of himself standing next to the bank teller that called his dad instead of the cops when he tried to forge a check so many years ago that was part of his five-part PTC. And that did pretty well. But there was just something that I was like, this guy's going to fucking explode. I can see it in him. I can feel it in him. There's something genuine about him that people are going to latch into. And here it happened this week. Obviously, he won the game as well. That doesn't hurt, but... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, he's reaping the parasocial rewards at this point for it. Congratulations, Clarky. Second place gains this week went to Ben Smith for his offsides kiss, his posthumous LL4, his successful resurrection, hurtling him into the finals, and his runner-up status. Smith added 115K to his already impressive number, allowing him to ascend into the next level of Instagram clout, the 400K Club, with a current total of 425,000 Instagram followers and climbing. Brendan Marias comes in third this week for his self-elimination swan song during Fantasy Suites. Marias saw impressive gains of 110K new followers, bringing him into the 300K club, up to a total of 315,000 Instagram followers. Fourth place this week was Ivan Hall for his world record-breaking kiss, anti-fantasy sweet date, and third place status. 
He gained 60.6K, joining the 100K club for a total of 148,000. Impressive. Fifth place went to Blake Moynes this week for his elimination last week. He gained 23K, bringing him to 129,000 followers. Other notable gains include 20.6K for Riley's 4TRR elimination and beautiful hot seat creating mental all performance, bringing him to 63.9K total. Bennett also gained 18K for his elimination and villain slash sippy cup rivalry slash scarf tot slash green juice kringling <laughs> performance in the Mentel All, bringing him to 176,000 Instagram followers. Noah Herb gained 14.6K for his rivalry rehashing on Mentel All, earning him membership in the 100K club at 108,000. Dr. Joe Park gained 12.9 thousand, presumably for his amazing parasocial plays, of getting the COVID-19 vaccine as he's been out of the document for some time, bringing him to a total of 58.3K. Damar Jackson got a bump 11.7K for his mental all defense of Chase and Nick, bringing him to 52.9K. And... Little Ed Wastebrot finally joined the 10K Club for his clown edit slash being on the take of the producers. Welcome to the club, Ed. Did the show buy you those followers? I mean, DLH posted a photo with Ed. Just them two. And still only 10K. (laughs) (laughs) Something's wrong with Ed Wastebrot's Instagram game. That's all I'll say. (laughs) He didn't have the smallest gain this week, though. The smallest gain crown went to Brandon Goss this week for losing 400 followers. And by the way, I should note, welcome ourselves to the 10K Club. Thank you, Pitt. We have 10,000 Instagram followers on Game of Roses pod now. We're facing off with Ed Wastebrot every week to see who can... Yeah. <laughs> the race to 11K. <laughs> 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 Who do you think will hit 11K first, us or Ed? Us. Yes, manifest it, baby. If we don't beat Ed Wastebrot, <laughs> something is wrong with our Instagram game. And now on to the rest of the most important happenings this week in Bachelor Nation. This is... Bachelor Nation News. First up in Bachelor Nation News was an article that came out on the Huffington Post website. Last week, Emma Gray and Claire Fallon published a piece about the sexual assault allegations swirling around Easy Nwachukwu. It's the most detailed and well-reported piece on the subject to date, including some pieces of an interview they conducted with the victim. We must issue a trigger warning due to graphic descriptions of the assault as well as the resulting trauma it caused the victim who wishes to remain anonymous. But it is an important piece of journalism, and we feel it deserves attention. The main takeaways from the article were that ABC slash Warner Brothers conducted an obligatory investigation that was nothing more than a rudimentary phone call from a lawyer to the victim and then prompt dismissal of the entire allegation as a case of he said, she said. And there were also a few other women to step forward and reveal similar experiences with Nuachukwu. At a time when it seemed like the franchise was really turning a corner on so many social issues with Ivan Hall and Tasha Adams' conversation about race and incarceration, with Ben Smith opening up about his attempted suicide, and with Zach Clark discussing addiction, it seems corporate greed still wins out as always. 
Speaking of things deserving attention, Ali Fedotowski has been hard at work this week doing a series of loop giveaways on her Instagram, and that hustling has paid off because we welcome her as the newest member of the 1 Million Instagram Followers Club. Fedotowski came to prominence in Bachelor Nation way back in 2010 when she made a deep run all the way to fourth place on season 14 of The Bachelor with Jake Pavelka. Later that year, she wore the crown as the sixth bachelorette and accepted a proposal from the ring winner, Roberto Martinez. The couple broke up 18 months later. She is currently married to Kevin Mano, the co-host of the popular syndicated morning radio show, Valentine in the Morning. This couple has two children, Riley and Molly, It is rare for a player who has been out of the game for so long to find their way into the Million Club, but Fedotowski has done it, and we congratulate her. And speaking of congratulations, item number three in Bachelor Nation news is about (laughs) Lauren Leindyke. She's pregnant with her second child and third child. Wink, wink. (laughs) Ari's second choice for wife made the announcement via a short video on her Instagram this past Saturday. Featuring herself, Ari, and their now one-year-old child, Alessi, walking down a dirt path and picking weeds in the desert sun of their home in Arizona. Alessi is wearing a shirt that reads, Big Sister, while clutching her teddy bear, and Lauren caresses her own pregnant belly to indicate that a new member of the family is on their way. The proud father also posted a two-slide series to his main grid featuring himself holding up a sign that reads Big Sister July 2021. And little Lessie herself was quick to capitalize on all the excitement, (laughs) posting an image of herself holding the same sign with a caption that reads, Ready to be a Big Sister. All these posts, of course, led to a longer two-part YouTube video that we will be getting into a little later in the show. Yeah, more detail coming later. (laughs) A lot more detail. The timing of the new Lion Dyke fetus creates an immediate and obvious rivalry with Crystal Nielsen's unborn entry into the fetus game, Glitter Baby 2021, who is due to breathe her first breath in April of next year, giving her only a few short months until the Lion Dyke fetuses start making a run for her Instagram territory in July. But that rivalry is already well underway. We will be getting into where both Glitter Baby and the Lion Dyke twins stand later in the show i gotta say this was the piece of bachelor nation news i was most excited about this week game changer it's an event unlike any we have ever seen in the parasocial world and again we're gonna get into it a little (laughs) later speaking of parasocial events As we all know, Rachel Lindsay made a brief appearance in the second round of playoffs this season to chat with Taysha about how things were going as she approached the finals. Well, it turns out that appearance wasn't so brief, and the Black Bachelorette discussed much more with the first biracial Bachelorette than the producers let us see. Lindsay spoke about it on Tuesday's episode of her podcast, Bachelor Happy Hour, This clip is two minutes long, but it is well worth listening to. I talked to Taysha for a little over three hours, I would say. Mm -hmm. Let's just say, this is all I'm going to say. You don't bring the first black bachelorette to come back, to fly across country in the middle of a pandemic, to quarantine for four days in 120 degree weather in Palm Springs, for her to ask general questions about the men that are left to the next bachelorette of color. Mm -hmm. 
there was a lot left out in that conversation, Um, which I'm a little disappointed about because I felt like my role, which I said was the big sister that Tasha never wanted to have. Um, and I, and I meant that, but we are living in, as we know, 2020 has been one for the history books. Yes. And there is a lot of racial injustice that's going on and they were in a bubble and it was just, and, and just, it's hard to be an interracial couple period mm-hmm. coming out of this franchise. And so I asked a lot of questions about race and just more so asking Tasha if she had asked those questions and just making sure that they were prepared and on the same page, because the only way to be successful, even outside of talking about race, is to make sure you're on the same page when it comes to things. How will you navigate this world as an interracial couple? How does your family feel about you being in an interracial couple? Have you dated outside of your race? How will it be to raise biracial children? Um, How do you feel about Black Lives Matter? How do you feel Mm -hmm. about the current administration and how they've reacted to Black Lives Matter and, you know, police reform? These are questions that need to be asked. These Mm -hmm. are questions that were not shown on the show Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, I'm a little disappointed about. And and we really went in depth with it. But I am happy, even though America didn't see it, it doesn't matter. I was able to have those conversations, that conversation with Taisha, which is what was most important. And I feel like we we really were able to talk it out. She was able to ask me questions. I was able to ask certain questions about the men. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I hope that it helped her in making her decision. And she really got all the clarity that she needs. Just when we thought the show might be turning a corner, we learned the producers actively kept these incredibly important conversations from airing in favor of what? Giving Neil Lane an infomercial for his jewelry company? I want to watch this interview so badly. I want to hear Rachel and Tasha talk about Trump. In my opinion, that footage is quite possibly, other than Phantom Night One, the most important footage that exists from this season. <laughs> other than the missing baloney tapes from Garrett Powell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course I need those. But to see that conversation between the first Black Bachelorette and the first Mixed Race Bachelorette black and mexican talking about race trump etc cetera, etc cetera, dating in a biracial couple yeah. black lives matter they're literally the voices I, we need to hear talking about these things and the show fucking yes. cut it out i <laughs> was very upset to listen to this clip that council of crowns was historic you have the only two crowns of color talking about the most important issues of our generation and we literally saw them talk about what ben oh how are you feeling oh these are important decisions that's all we got and like rachel said she was flown out she quarantined for four days i mean god these four-day quarantines good lord they're just lucky that they didn't have a COVID outbreak. Um, side note. And again, it's like, sure, we've had progress this season, but the most important conversations are just being alluded to. We had a conversation between Ivan and Tisha about religion, which they just skirt by and 
I'm very curious as to what that conversation was as well. I found that a little strange because we are in the Christian era now. It's assumed you have to be Christian to make it far in the game, certainly to be a lead. And it was weird that they didn't hit it harder, I felt like. In an era where you have Hannah Brown saying, I fucked four times in a windmill and Jesus still loves me, putting literal Jesus Christ front and center in one of the most pivotal moments of that season. Here, it was just this vague religious differences. We, they didn't even say that Tasha was Christian. They don't even focus on Tasha's Christianity, even though there's like a couple mentions of it. I thought that was interesting because we've pretty much had a Christian lead since I believe Ari Leyendike was our last, like, he's agnostic or he's atheist. He's not religious. I think every lead has been religious since. Wait, was Nick? No one knows what Nick is other than the greatest player of all time. Nick Vial, of course. <laughs> Greatest male player. I'm going to start saying that. Yeah. I- I- extremely disappointing that we didn't get to see any of this. And the conversation and exists. clearly there was time. There was time to put it in. Even just put this out on Instagram or something. That conversation right. is incredibly important in terms of what they're talking about. Certainly. Culturally. Certainly. But even as a piece of the history of the game... That happened. These two women had this fucking conversation. It exists. The footage is there. They have it on record. Let us see that. You don't have to put it in the show. Fine. The show's even done. Put it out now. Put it out later. Just let us see that. It's so fucking important. It is so valuable for this idea that the show really is trying to make change, is trying to put its best foot forward. We now know that's not true. We now know that what they were doing up front might have been performative. Certainly, the Ivan Hall conversation with Tasha is incredibly important, and we laud the producers for including it in this season. But now we have this information that when push comes to shove, when it gets down to the final minute, they're just going to revert back to selling us toothpaste and Neil Lane rings. I like that you're hitting toothpaste super hard this season. It's because of that fucking crest white strips series of commercials that they had like <laughs> literally everybody was doing but i mean this is part of our you know complicit fandom is that you can't just hold the powers that be accountable once and then you're done with the work this is something that we are gonna have to constantly be doing is holding them accountable and uh they should release the footage a gore demand <laughs> none of which have been met <laughs> We can keep but trying. I will keep demanding. <laughs> oh, shit. Moving on, our fifth piece of Bachelor Nation news this week, and it was a packed week with Bachelor Nation news. Markel Martin is engaged to his longtime girlfriend, Carrie Kaisner. Martin made it to the fifth week of the 10th season of Bachelorette, where he faced off against the great one, Nick Vial, for the affections of Andy Dorfman. He was notably forced into one of the most memorable moments of that season when a player named Andrew Poole was accused of using a racist term to describe both Martin and another player of color. He handled the situation with grace and dignity and ultimately went on to appear in the very first season of Bachelor in Paradise, where he was eliminated in week four. We wish Markel and his new fiance a happy life together as they begin planning for their wedding. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, a third high-profile Bachelor Nation couple is no more. Earlier this year, Chris the Goose Randone and Coach Crystal Nielsen called it quits. 
Then J.P. Rosenbaum and Ashley Hebert dissolved their legal contract of union. And on Wednesday of this week, Carly Waddell and Evan Bass announced their separation. They issued a joint statement that reads, We have made the difficult decision to separate. We will always cherish our time together and continue to have the utmost respect for one another as we focus on what's best for the future of our family. We greatly appreciate everyone's love and support and kindly ask that you please respect our family's privacy as we navigate through this. The cruise ship singer and the erectile dysfunction doc met on the third season of Bachelor in Paradise where Bass was able to win over Waddell with an elaborate IFI, illness, fear, or injury play that included a trip in an ambulance. They have two kids together, and although this news comes as a shock, we wish them and their family all the best as they move into this next phase of their lives. Waddell takes one million Instagram followers with her as she exits the relationship, leaving Bass with 357,000. We do indeed wish them well. It is never good news to hear that a couple who formed in our beloved game is separating, but hopefully it is for the best, and with time their wounds will heal. Our next item of Bachelor Nation news includes quarantine measures of La Quinta. Many times we've discussed that we believe the quarantine measures for season 16 of The Bachelorette did not come close to meeting the two-week standards outlined by the CDC. The only proof we've had to back these claims up has been circumstantial evidence of travel dates compared to speculation at when various people started shooting. But now we have conclusive, concrete, hardcore evidence that indeed, at least for the special guest appearance of former Bachelor players, the show did not quarantine them for two weeks or anything close to it. Blake Moynes stopped by Ashley Iaconetti and Ben Higgins' almost famous podcast this week, and it was Iaconetti herself who detailed the lax quarantine procedure. Here's a clip. Um, tell us about the quarantining process. Uh, in the beginning, um, how many days did you guys have alone in your hotel rooms? How many days did we have in our hotel rooms with the quarantine? Yeah, like a- alone before the show started. A long time, uh, <laughs> like a, a so long weird. time. <laughs> like I, I was like when we when we got out of there, it was like thank God. Like it was it was really really painful to to do, and especially with the tension, the anticipation of like never doing this before, and like you know we didn't have really anyone really stop by or anything. You're literally like fully quarantined, and uh, they were overly safe, and I hated it, but they did a really good job of making sure that we could do the season the way that we did it uh, in a safe way. So when Jared and I went to go visit, we were quarantined for four days. We like could have, what could we get? Do we really allowed to have like masked visitors on like the night of day three or something? You guys had longer yeah, than this? Way longer than that. Although Moines claims his quarantine was, in quotes, much longer, he gives no specific timeline, so we have no real way of knowing if the players were held to any meaningful standard of isolation or if that was simply for show as well. But here, Aya Kennedy is telling us, four days, Rachel Lindsay said the same thing in the clip we played earlier from her show. So that's the lengths to which the show went. Four days of isolation. We know that the tests aren't 100% accurate, so... Even if you get a couple negative tests, you still could have gotten COVID right before and spread it to people five days later and still have tested negative. I don't get the thought process for this. It just seems like too big of a risk. Money was the thought process. I think they knew (laughs) 
they had to start shooting on a certain right. date and it was going to cost X amount of dollars to put these people up in hotel rooms for two weeks leading into the shoot versus four days, et cetera, et cetera. This all boils down to money, making as much of it as possible. And what is that window of acceptable risk for the corporation, both legally, uh, financially, all these kinds of things. And it turns out it was exactly four days. Do you think this is why we had Hannah Ann Sluss pictured at La Quinta? She was just back up in case any of these lax quarantine measures hit Tasha. Could have been. Or she could have contracted COVID. She might have tested mm, positive. And they guest. were like, fuck it. You can't be in the show. Mm. Who knows? So many questions that I don't know if we'll ever know the answer to. Speaking of... COVID-19, Caitlin Bristow, the goat, the wonderful goat, Caitlin Bristow, and her paramour, Jason Tardick, are in the news this week for contracting the COVID-19 virus. The couple alerted the public via a pic on Bristow's main grid in a video on Tardix that recounts the extreme lengths they went to in order to assure a safe holiday season for their family and how it was thwarted by a single friend they allowed to join them who had, to their knowledge, tested negative several days in a row for work. I audibly gasped when I saw this video. I had many people text it to me, being like, Lizzie, your goat, she's got the Rona. And <laughs> it is... It is disappointing, but it is not surprising to me because they're like, we did, we took every single precaution except that they had people over. I don't understand this because I'm like, I'm isolating. I'm not, no one has been in my home. I am the only person who has been in my home. I agree with you. I don't understand. (laughs) Like, that's how you don't get COVID. Also, if you're going to, they're planning to travel to Tardik's family's house for vacation and that's why they were being safe leading up, why would you see anyone if you're going to risk your parents? This is the conversation we've had through the entirety of the COVID-19 pandemic with regard to Bachelor Nation's handling of it. There are some people who seem to be locking down and there are some people who seem to not be. Obviously, Caitlin Bristow is in the group that is not locking down. She did a whole fucking season of Dancing with the Stars. And I know there are precautions to be put in place and all of that. And there are production protocols, blah, blah, blah. Nonetheless, that's not safe COVID behavior. Doing that show. She was partying the with people. We, we saw pictures of them. constantly doesn't make you less likely to get COVID. It's your actions. <laughs> and here... Bristow and Tardic are now stricken with the illness. We obviously wish them well and hope for a speedy recovery so they can get back to doing the parasocial play that we like from them. But this, unfortunately, is all too common in our beloved game. Several players have tested positive for COVID over these past months, starting with Colton Underwood and now, finally, Caitlin Bristow. Two crowns. I immediately flash back to that image we saw of her and... Dark Lord Harrison and Becca Kufrin on a roof celebrating somewhere. And it's like, sure, yeah, everyone can get tested, but I just, I don't know. It's, a, it's, everybody is taking their 
has their own version of what is safe, etc. And sure, that one person who came over might have been the only exception, but I kind of doubt it. Yeah, their story seemed to have a lot of unnecessary details in it. And they both are <laughs> making the exact same thing. The story is straight, etc., etc. Who knows how much of it is true? And finally, rounding out Bachelor Nation news, a big happy birthday goes out to Jade Tolbert. On December 19th, the fantasy football bandit turned 34. We hope this next year is a good one for you and you get to keep all the money you cheat to win. We also want to wish a very happy birthday to Chris Watson, who turned 31 on December 22nd. Chris Watson was the winner of Listen to Your Heart. Happy birthday, Chris. That wraps up our news for this week. And now it is time to dig deep into all the moves that our players are making off the field in the social media arena. This is the parasocial play, 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 play of the week. This is going to be the beefiest parasocial plays of the week we've ever done because this week was filled with incredibly strong play. First up, first contender, Ivan Hall put in some strong parasocial work this week, producing a short TikTok video in which he makes the traditional Filipino dish lumpia. This is the recipe he used on the day portion of his hometown date with Taisha. This time, though, Hall whips up the fried spring rolls with his mom. The mother-son duo wear matching orange shirts with the word lumpia printed across the chest as they mix vegetables with spices, wrap the mixture up in lumpia wrappers, and fry them to golden perfection. To make the most of the obvious effort that went into getting the shirts made for this parasocial endeavor, Ivan also posted the video to his Instagram Reels, where it garnered 37,000 likes and 772 comments. The IG caption includes the recipe and specific instructions for any ambitious chefs out there who want to give it a try. Will we see some lumpia on bacon and bubbly in the near future? We can only hope. Joe Park this week also continues to impress us even beyond his unprecedented COVID vaccine coverage. This week, he managed to find the time to make two snowmen in the likenesses of Noah Erb and Bennett Jordan and post the image of his winter craftsmanship to his IG stories. He proves that he can be serious when dealing with the deadliest pandemic in modern times, but he can also be lighthearted when necessary. Becca Martinez threw her hat in the ring this week with a two-minute, 40-second Instagram video. She tricks viewers by posing with her baby and with a pregnancy test and says she's getting quite the Christmas surprise for her partner, Grayston. Then she shows her journey to surprise Grayston with an upgraded Toyota Tacoma truck instead. This video played off the standard Bachelor Nation pregnancy announcement videos, which always get huge engagement without having to have an actual baby. This video has 523,000 views, 1,500 comments. Joe, 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 and her S.O., A-Ro-Bro-Bro-Bro-Bro-Bro-Bro-Bro-Bro, offered up a parasocial entry this week in the form of a full taut huju. Wowie! 
That's right. The surrogate DLH and Aaron Rodgers' brother attended a costumed holiday party this week at which Aero Bro donned a Sasquatch bodysuit while Joe 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 opted for an inflatable turkey costume. The couple made a short slow motion video posted to Fletcher's main grid shot in profile as the couple runs toward each other in what appears to be a mall. Behind them is a giant Christmas present display as Fletcher performs a slow motion hooju on Rodgers while both still fully costumed. The nod to the Huju sub-game is appreciated, and Fletcher's form is surprisingly good given the bulky nature of the turkey she's wearing. The video has 175,000 likes and 663 comments. It's clear that in terms of tots and Hujus, Fletcher's still got it. (laughs) We are talking about parasocial plays, so you know that means we're talking about Dale Moss, the greatest parasocial player of all time, crafted another impressive offering for us this week by creating the hometown date he never got on his truncated run in season 16 of The Bachelorette. He and Claire visited his alma mater, Brandon Valley High School in South Dakota this week, and took some time to take selfies with students and teachers. Moss even went as far as tagging some of the students to give them a little taste of the power he wields. He chronicled this event on his Instagram stories, so we don't have numbers for you. But this week, he proves that not only does he understand social media better than any man in the game, he also understands the game itself. Creating the hometown we never got to see is a brilliant piece of producing that serves to complete the in-game experience for us, even though he's out of game. I wouldn't be surprised if we get some version of a parasocial fantasy suite at the resort of some kind in the very near future. Incredible work once again, Mr. Moss. We'll just keep a spot open for you every week in the parasocial plays. This week, Demi Burnett reminded us why she has 1.3 million followers with a well-timed post to her IG Reels on Tuesday, capitalizing on the Bachelor Nation frenzy that occurs at the end of each season during the finale. In this short video, scored with romantic piano music, Burnett is dressed in a Bachelorette-style white gown, walking to a gazebo in a park. Another person approaches in a similar black gown. We can't see who it is, and then Burnett gets on a knee and opens a ring box. We see who the object of this proposal is, ultimately, and it's her. (laughs) Burnett is proposing to herself with a caption that reads, I finally found someone who will love me unconditionally, Rose Emoji. She gives us a brief glimpse into what a same-sex bachelorette proposal might look like with this post that has 123,000 likes and 800 comments. I couldn't believe this play. I rewatched it several times, and I was like, she's literally pitching bisexual bachelorette where she's the crown i'd be happy to watch that me too as we mentioned in bachelor nation news lauren leyendyke is pregnant with what we thought was a single leyendyke fetus but we now know there are two leyendyke fetuses growing within her feti is that the plural Plural of fetuses i don't know i don't either (laughs) Whatever it is, she's got two fetuses, and our parasocial play of the week goes to the Lion Dyke family for their presentation of this news to Bachelor Nation. It spanned three separate Instagram accounts, Lauren, Ari, and Little Lessie, all posting to their main grids, videos and stills. Also, YouTube, the crowning jewel of this parasocial campaign, was a 9 minute and 31 second video posted to their YouTube account, the Lauren and Ari channel. It opens with a brief montage of familial reactions of surprise 
followed quickly after Lauren and Ari telling the cause of the surprise in a pure parasocial gaze from their living room couch. We're pregnant. What follows is a chronicle of their pregnancy journey. Lauren recounts her miscarriage early this year before holding a positive pregnancy test up to the lens for all of us to see as she says she wants to keep it a secret from Ari, who believes her to be on her period. He's apparently been complaining about her PMSing all this week. They cut back to the couch where Ari explains, we're going to get to see their parents reacting. We cut to a scene of Lauren's mother and father and another unnamed family member, a brother perhaps who has a child of his own, as they all congregate in little Alessi's room. Lauren explains what a vlog is to her father and that he will be posted on the internet. Lauren's mother picks up baby Alessi and Lauren tells her to look at Alessi's shirt. Finally, she realizes the words emblazoned across the child's chest read, Big Sister. And the implication begins to materialize in the minds of Lauren's parents. They react in happy shock and her father congratulates his daughter. Her mother kisses her and hugs Ari. It is a rare glimpse into this happy moment for this famous family. Back to the couch, Lauren explains that they also told Ari's parents. And then we go into a closet or some side room where they explain through whispered voices how they're going to reveal this news to Ari's parents by having them over for dinner and hiding the pregnancy pea stick under a silver dome (laughs) dessert platter on the dining room table. We are then treated to the Leyendijk seniors, lifting the dome off the plate and cheering with glee. A bystander makes a joke about the test being a kazoo that falls flat and back to the couch (laughs) for a debrief to tell us that they are officially 12 weeks pregnant and they waited this long to make sure Lauren's mental state was good. They describe her freakouts and her PTSD from the miscarriage. They explain how excited they are and that they had to take a break from posting so much on YouTube during this time. Then the video ends with a graphic that reads, There's more to the story, followed by a short clip of Lauren getting a sonogram and Ari heard just off camera saying, No way, before text on screen finally appears that reads, Part 2 coming December 21st. This first video landed 526,000 views. The second part of the 14-minute, six-second video begins with Lauren and Ari in their car before going to their first OB appointment. They address the viewer in the pure parasocial gaze, and Lauren admits to eating two bagels and claims she's on track to gain 50 pounds with this pregnancy, and we'll be seeing what she calls a walrus version of herself. They briefly discuss Ari's uncanny ability to be recognized wherever they go, furthering the narrative of their fame before heading in. Ari is the handheld camera operator for a confessional in which he tells us they wouldn't let him in the waiting room. Then we see some quick shots of Lauren being weighed and possible conception dates on a computer screen. Then we see Lauren's belly as she lays on the table preparing for a sonogram. Doctor enters, gloves up, and gets the internal sonogram wand ready. She tells Lauren to take deep breaths and then says, I think there might be two. Ari exclaims, no way, and Lauren covers her face and laughs with joy. Inspirational piano music scores the scene as the happy couple reacts to the good news. The doctor explains that they are die-die twins, or fraternal twins, two separate embryos as opposed to identical twins, which come from a single embryo splitting, 
like the Ferguson sisters from Bachelor season 20. Ari holds a printout of the sonogram up to camera and we cut back out to the car where the couple reacts to the news and recounts seeing the double sonogram for the first time. Ari says he's terrified but really happy. Lauren explains that she planned to have the next child and then evaluate a third, but now they don't have a choice. Ari lets us know that they'll need a bigger house before primping his hair while (laughs) speculating about Lauren's ovulation. Lauren cries tears of joy but expresses being nervous about just wanting a normal pregnancy. They express fear about the possibility of having two boys who they believe will have more energy and require more work than the parasocial fetus powerhouse, little Alessi. The couple finally returns home to find Ari's parents watching Alessi. They show the sonogram to his parents and reveal Lauren is pregnant with twins while Alessi cries in a high chair nearby, unattended, the forgotten child once again. Finally, (laughs) Ari tells Alessi she will have two siblings. Her only reaction is to throw her hands in the air and eat french fries. The video ends with a direct address asking fans to subscribe to follow Lauren's pregnancy journey and to cap off this parasocial play of the week, the proud parents-to-be have changed the name of the IG account Baby Lion Dyke to Lion Dyke Twins, and the two fetuses who share a womb are now sharing 109,000 Instagram followers without even a single post already blowing Glitter Baby 2021 out of the water, who has stalled at 15.7K. Sorry, Glitter Baby, but you never had a chance. The conclusion of this two-part series pulled in a staggering 763,000 views on YouTube. Congratulations to the entire Lion Dyke family. I knew Baby Lion Dyke was going to defeat Glitter Baby just because of, you know, this familial legacy of parasocial powerhouses, but twins... Twins. These twins have 109,000 followers currently. They are negative eight Mm. months old. (laughs) They don't even have a single post. Not a single post. Andy Warhol made this phrase very famous. Everyone in the future will be famous for 15 minutes. I think we are now seeing that expanded out to everyone will now be famous for their entire lives. Every second of these two twins' lives will be chronicled and used for SpawnCon including the conception, including the pregnancy test, including their double sonograms, every trip to the doctor's office, all of that is going to be recorded and they are going to have that in posterity literally forever. And they're already famous. There are 109,000 people who will be watching everything they do every day. We've been covering Lauren's pregnancy journey for a while and talked about how there's multiple pregnancy tests She holds up a pregnancy test in one of these shots where she's clearly already 12 weeks pregnant. They either saved that pregnancy test from 12 weeks ago or they're using a new pregnancy test just as a prop. Either way, they know what they are doing in this baby game. And I am so excited for what is to come. Even though the twins aren't identical, which I feel like would have been better for them, I bet they will treat the twins as identical anyway matching everything i think that's potentially likely the thing that is very impressive to me is that without a single post they already have 109k if i remember right little alessi the day she was born had 150,000, and now she's accrued 299 so i think these fetuses might crack 300k before they're born they don't have a post yet these are 109,000 people, of which we are too, 
anxiously awaiting whatever that first image is, whatever the story is that Lauren is going to start telling so that she can sell the most baby clothes, bottles, whatever, all the different stuff that they're going to be making off these fetuses. Do you think the first image will be a sonogram or will it be Lauren's baby bump? I think they're going to follow the same model they did with Alessi. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Alessi's first picture is Lauren with, if you can call that a baby bump. Oh my God, a walrus. <laughs> Kuz is showing me a picture of Lauren Lyon Dyke looking as fit as ever. So maybe they'll follow the same pattern. Uh, it would be wise if they did. I do think they should add some more videos because this was their highest scoring YouTube video of all time, the second part of this video, 763,000 views. We're starting to now talk about a YouTube channel that could be getting a million view video. I don't think we've seen that yet in Bachelor Nation. Certainly not from Tyler Cameron, who, by the way, I found out blocked us this week. <laughs> That's so strange. He didn't block Bachelor Clues. I, I always think of, of the two accounts, Game of Roses or Bachelor Clues. Bachelor Clues is always the one most likely to be blocked. That gets blocked first. Yeah, I don't know what what happened. Now we are blocked by both COVID boys, Matt James and Tyler Cameron. But this play simply put was not only the best play of the week it's one of the best parasocial plays of the year it really was huge and obviously it takes the event occurring to be able to manufacture all the parasocial play around it but they didn't waste a moment of this they documented every step of the way in getting pregnant in finding out it was twins they put out two parts of a video this very easily could have been a five minute video they uploaded to youtube and said we're pregnant and it's twins i can't believe it instead it's two videos that are about 10 minutes a piece averaged out broken into two parts with a fucking cliffhanger at the end of the first one they are operating at a level other people don't even fucking understand granted ari's camera work is bad lauren is better on the camera than he is for fucking sure but whoever's producing this shit whoever's editing it laying in the graphics that person needs to get a pay increase because they're doing it right i would even argue that the idea to split it into two videos probably came from whoever that production person is because whoever's editing this fucking understands some things they build in a little trailer at the beginning of these videos for what you're going to see in the coming video that almost is a mini cliffhanger in and of itself this person is able to cut their dialogue apart cut their different crappy videos that they're shooting apart and make it not only palatable fucking riveting entertainment Whoever that person is, if you're a social media player right now in our beloved game, find out who does Lauren and Ari's videos, hire them to do yours because that person is fucking good. I <laughs> I remember when we were talking about this earlier this week and you started telling me how Ari's cinematography skills were much worse and I was like, oh my God, this is another level where Clues could tell which person is, is the... Uh, is holding the camera. Ari's main concern is his hair and all the things. He doesn't care about framing or lighting. The first thing that he does when he sets a camera down is fuck with his hair to make sure it's good. Lauren, it doesn't even look like she starts fucking rolling until the light's right, her hair's right, the fucking framing is right. She understands composition in a way Ari just simply can't fathom. <laughs> At any rate, this is only the beginning of a new parasocial dynasty where the lion dyke fetuses I think are going to dominate fetus parasocial play for a decade. Until the Ayakinetti child arrives, I don't even think they have competition. What if Claire and Dale have a baby? 
I know. Dale Moss, he has the grown-ass man parasocial game down, but can he handle a baby? I'm also not 100% convinced that relationship lasts. We shall see. But that rounds out all the parasocial play for this week. And, of course, now you know what comes next. Pace Case and I are going to descend deep into the pit to issue our screams with Shoya from Relationship Hero. This is... Screams from the Pit! As you know, all this season, which has now come to an end... We have been joined in the pit by a coach from Relationship Hero who is sponsoring Screams from the Pit. That coach is, of course, Shoya. She is with us for the last time today. Thank you for joining us, Shoya. Hello, hello. Glad to be here. If you are having any kind of trouble in a relationship, if you don't even have a relationship but you want one, or if you just want to make the relationship you're in even better than it already is, even if you think you're in the best relationship of all time, guess what? It can still be better. And Relationship Hero can help you with that. If you go to relationshiphero.com slash G-O-R right now, you will get $50 off your first coaching session with one of their certified coaches. That is relationshiphero.com slash G-O-R. And now this is it. Our final session in the pit with Shoya. Thank you so much for joining us. I made it to the end. Did you ever watch an episode, by the way, of Bachelorette? No, I haven't. I'm consistent. <laughs> you, you didn't watch one second. I'm oh, consistent <laughs> in my... Stayed clean of it. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, I'm pretty proud. Relationship hero coaches can't be corrupted, Clues. <laughs> <laughs> you would, I think that would be one of the benefits of the job, you know, that you're not corrupted, hopefully. <laughs> you're able to remain a neutral third party. <laughs> One would hope <laughs> to his best efforts, <laughs> but they were admirable efforts. Very interesting. Indeed. I do what I have to do <laughs> as do we all. Shoya, I just, first off, I just want to say thank you for joining us because this has, ter- this is our first sponsorship for game of roses is relationship hero. And it has turned out to be, much more delightful than I thought doing ads would be. And that is mostly in part to your wonderful presence. Well, I am glad to provide some entertainment, you know, throughout to make it a little less painful, the paperwork at least. (laughs) Glad you feel that way. (laughs) Yeah. I too thank you for being here with us. You are the first person that we've had screaming in the pit with us or listening, I should say, to our screams in the pit. You didn't ever issue a scream. But it was an absolute pleasure to have you with us for sure. I think you made this segment better in many ways, and we will miss you. This was a very interesting thing. I'm really glad to be a part of it. I'm glad to see (laughs) this part of the world. It's it's nice. It's like traveling. There were the most amount of traveling that we're going to get in 2020. So thank you for (laughs) for that. You took a weekly vacation to the pit. Vacations in 2020, the pit noted. <laughs> we see Shoya's Instagram is just like her like screenshots in this chat. Like visited this part of the pit this week. Hashtag right. travel vlog. <laughs> 2020 travel vlog, which is special edition. Travel. We thought as a thank you this week, instead of screaming in your face as we normally do, <laughs> we would offer up gifts that we have received from our time in the pit. We've been screaming in the pit for about a year now. And 
the concept of the scream is that we discuss these things that we are kind of concerned about that our fandom has taken us to these strange areas of the show but the flip side of that is some very good things have actually come out of us being in the pit and we thought it's christmas week it's your last show with us we would tell you hopefully in an effort to let you see that fandom of the bachelor isn't that bad and you might <laughs> want to give it a try that there are some things that one are very good effort. that have come from this. One last effort. <laughs> Wouldn't be the same without it. I'd be disappointed if you did <laughs> My gift of the pit this week um, was that my sister this week asked me if I had made any friends, any new friends during the pandemic. You know, it is definitely a restricting time socially. And I realized that, yes, I have made several friendships with people this year uh people in the bachelor podcasting community through having them on our podcast and us going on their podcasts and i'm truly grateful for having these new characters in my life who are obsessed about the same thing that we are jenna vesper from date card pod who we've had on a couple times including our Bachelor mock election episode where we predicted who would win the election based solely on Bachelor Nation votes. Um, Rochelle Meese, who used to be on the Male Goat Nick Vial's podcast, had had us on her podcast, Walk You Out, and she's hilarious. We had a Welcome to the Pit episode with her, um, along with her co-host, Jonna Wilson, also hilarious. And Jess Ambrose and Becca Martinez of Chatty Broads had us on a couple times on their podcast, introduced us to a whole new audience, which we are super appreciative for. Um, And Jess also filled in for me last week on This Week in Bachelor Nation. And I'm so grateful to her for all of her help. Also, Justine and Natasha of Two Black Girls, One Rose had an amazing welcome to the pit with us. And last but not least, the person who started it all for us reality steve i am grateful to him for his well friendship we are comrades in this uh growing sports bachelor coverage community and uh i think we're going to be talking to him later this week as well so everyone should look out for that but it's a bizarre little community and i am grateful for it truly grateful this is the first time i've heard you say something you know light in the pit (laughs) you're usually like very you know like oh my god i can't believe i'm here why am i here somebody help me it sounds like (laughs) mean that you finally embraced your pit community like um definitely i think i definitely have and you know screams forces us to focus on maybe the more negative aspects but the positives that have come out of this experience far far outweigh the negatives for me um, well i'm i'm yeah. glad to hear that that is Thanks, a gift. <laughs> like you're it's like the pit you describe the pit as if it's like a mini stars hollow and you're a lorelei <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> That's how I watched, that's what I was I watched picturing. all of Gilmore Girls. I watched even <laughs> like the I, new seasons that were wild. 
that's why when you were talking that's what i was seeing i was like oh she's walking me through the little town oh my god there's the coffee shop. that's what i see in my head that is so. so cute this is the coffee shop that's chatty broads here's uh the sports arena that's uh reality exactly. steve that's hilarious Clues, you can be luke i think you would make a great luke <laughs> Yeah, very Which one's rough around the edges, but has a little sensitive interior somewhere buried deep. The one that owned the coffee shop. How dare you? <laughs> There's no sensitive interior here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was enlightening. I'll give you some history of myself before I get to the gift. I came to Los Angeles as a teen. I went to school here. I went to film school graduated, pursued my dream of being a writer in Hollywood, had some success with it, sold some movies, sold some TV shows. Some of them got made even. And in each of these endeavors, it started with a creative passion, some idea that I thought was funny or interesting, and I would just write the thing and then it would sell. And then you get into TV and you learn that you don't even have to write the thing. You just have to have the idea and the idea sells and they pay you to write the pilot. Then maybe they make the pilot. Then maybe that pilot even goes to series. Maybe that even gets on television. And at every step of the way in this, I became acutely aware of the fact that whatever your creative idea is doesn't actually matter. And once you sell something, it gets destroyed immediately. A hundred other people will rewrite it without your consent, without your input, without your knowledge. They will take your TV show idea and there will be 10 executives telling you, well, I don't think that that character needs a best friend. And so you'll take it out. Then they'll want to shoot the pilot. And their first note is, what if they had a best friend? That literally happened to me. Um, And Pace Case and I even met on one of these shows that I created that wound up on TV and it got destroyed. One season and done because the network just fucking wrecked it. And so (laughs) inadvertently, I I don't even think that I was really aware of this, but I had gotten to a point where I just kind of accepted the idea that the creative idea, the integrity of it was meaningless. And if I wanted to be in this game, all I had to do was just keep shitting out ideas, knowing that they would get turned into worse versions of themselves if I was to be paid for them. And that just kind of became my life. And rarely would these things even see the light of day. You sell a TV show, you make enough money to live off for a year, and it'll get thrown in the trash by a room full of 10 people who read the script and were like, oh, nope, thanks. That's how television works. Ideas get bought, 99% of them just get thrown away. And so you kind of get stuck in this pattern where you think, the creativity is not important because it's so disposable in this industry. And for me, when Pace Case and I started this project, it really was born of true creative passion. And I know it seems frivolous because we're watching, you know, stupid fucking TV show or whatever. But the bottom line of it is when we began it, it was like, let's see what we can do that interests us our perspective on this show and let's create this thing this podcast and these memes and whatever based only on our creative input what we think is good and what we think is funny there were no network executives there were no studio executives tearing this shit apart making it a worse version of itself and i feel that in a year of doing this it's only gotten better because of that and what it really has given me the gift is tapping back into that fucking thing that's like holy shit, this is really what it felt like to be like, fuck, this is funny or this is good in some way. I'm enthused about this. I have that feeling again for this project, for what we're doing with The Bachelor, all versions of it, the podcast, the book, the different 
TV show ideas that I have fucking spilling out of my head now. Every element of it, even these weird musical projects we're working on. And to some degree, that is a part of it, too. There's going to be a musical episode. There's always a musical episode. I'm making a fucking album. And I think a lot of this has to do like the overflow of creative output inspired by this has to do with the fact that I was able to tap back into this thing that's like, fuck, it's fun to make shit again. And it's fun because of what we're doing here, because we don't have any kind of corporate network oversight telling us to turn it into a pile of shit. No, but if any network wants to uh, spend a lot of money and buy us up, we are open. I'm available. I am available. Just (laughs) kidding. But yeah, I mean, for me, that was the gift. It was really getting back to that kind of original place that I was when I graduated from college and I was just turning out like movies and TV shows left and right and selling them and thinking like, oh, this is going to be fucking great. I All these things are going to get made and they're going to be just like I wrote them. And then you learn that like one of the things gets made literally seven years after you sold it and 15 people have rewritten it and you have to go to WGA arbitration and not even get credit on the thing you created. Things like that really dampen the spirit. And we don't have that here. Like it really is just me and Lizzie running and gunning like whatever we think is cool, you know? Right. And it's turned out that like some other people like it. That is even, yeah. you know, icing on the cake, which allows us to keep making more of it and to keep uh, pushing it into like new creative areas. That is interesting. I, I like that. I, I like the fact that your gift is kind of like a summary of all your screens. What <laughs> not like? <laughs> I, yeah, it was I mean, started dark. <laughs> well, I mean, no, but no, like even like the the um the theme and the only way out is through. Like you know, because all of your screams have been like, I am in the pit. I am here. I am not in denial about this. I'm curious how deep this can go. <laughs> what look like and just like pushing forward. So your gift is like a combination of all that, and I. I think that's admirable. I totally get that. I went to art school, like, by the way, like spent an ungodly amount of money to go to art school because, <laughs> because I didn't know any better. And my parents tried to tell me and I didn't listen to them. <laughs> so Wait, what kind of art were you doing? So I majored in graphic design and minored in photography. Oh, and, that, um, oh, cool. and I went to Savannah College of Art and Design. And obviously, as an art, like nothing stays the same. Like you get there and you're like, ooh, maybe I want to do architecture. Like, ooh, maybe I want to do fashion. Like, and it was, it was literally where I, I mean, no shade to anybody in art school. That's literally where art went to die. <laughs> Not because it was kind of like, like, what do you mean I have to do it this way? Like you, you lose all your, like your creative. Um, juices and, and flows and this and when something becomes work right then it kind of is like oh there's all these little nuances and skill and you just kind of lose that you know that passion and whatnot so the thing that I think is very interesting about you and I, I don't know who said this first I remember it from Prince I'm not saying Prince is the originator <laughs> of this quote or whatnot but um you're like we're gonna party like it's 1999 oh, whatnot. Oh, right that too oh whatnot but nothing real can be threatened so not so it's kind of like you had this creative outlook and then it's going through all these trials and tribulations and a lot of people lose it like like they lose that shit or whatnot you know eventually and you to maintain it not throughout all of that and to still find a way to breathe some life back into it via games of roses and via the and via i mean that's the you know inspiring thing i think the gift i'm going to take my take on your gift is the gift is actually your resilience that you Hmm. stared into the abyss the abyss stared back and you matched its level like the two canceled out like it wasn't 
the chaos and the abyss and the darkness wasn't enough to kill like your creativity it like it threw some shots your way but um <laughs> but it wasn't enough to kill it or whatnot and you still have it and now it's like right it's kind of like one like damn like you're still here dude like you're still doing this or whatnot so like the enemy like it's on the other side saying that so to speak so i think that's that's my perception of your gift that your creativity was just as resilient as the chaos that it endured nothing real can be threatened. beautiful yeah that's fantastic thank you for the kind words that's what we're here for <laughs> so i can tell to be here i for. can tell that you're an artist Joya. you no one none of our listeners can tell but you always have like great style you have this beautiful chair behind you it's, it's <laughs> always beautiful i'm clues and i have these very dark chaotic backgrounds right now but from doing and what a, recording an episode know. every day this week <laughs> it's all super accidental like people think that i really try and i'm like first of all this chair was the only piece in this room that didn't have clutter so <laughs> this was a lazy effect or not and it's like oh you have style no this is actually a mask <laughs> not so i can like <gasps> oh go my god what <laughs> not and i was just too lazy to take it off or whatnot because it's kind of like dude that's gets exhausting or whatnot and it just happens to match my glasses because i was too lazy to put on contacts or whatnot my hair I mean, these aren't curls by hot so this is a hot bun that i just happened to snatch out and what you're seeing is i haven't bothered to run up comb through it what so i see is the image idea. in this square and it's it is uh flawless so <laughs> well I, i'm i'm thankful i feel like god said you know what we're gonna let you struggle all the way over here but this part this would be a little effortless we'll give you some metabolism to go with it <laughs> <laughs> so well shoya thank you so much for listening to all of our screams for listening to our gifts, for joining us on this incredible journey for, unfortunately, what you will never understand was the greatest <laughs> season of Bachelorette that ever fucking aired, the most historic season of Bachelorette of all time. And that will be completely lost on you forever. But we thank you for joining us. And, um, you know, we wish you luck in all future endeavors. I am admirable of the shade that you threw at the very last minute. I am in all of it. I appreciate it. Consistent. Beautiful. Consistency. Consistency. Well, if you ever want to come back to the pit, we're always going to be here. Well, one day I'll watch the show and maybe it'll drag me back. <laughs> well, thank you, Shoya, and uh, safe travels if you're traveling, and travel. we will meet again. <laughs> I have a feeling. Safe holidays and beyond. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy holidays, whatever. <laughs> well, now y'all take care. <laughs> well, thank you, Shoya. I feel bittersweet that we've had our last screams with Shoya. I do as well. And I I don't know if it's going to be our last screams with her. We'll see. Yeah. Time will tell. But of course, we wish Shoya luck and success in all endeavors in her life, be they inside or outside the pit. And we thank all of you for listening to this episode on Christmas Day. We hope whatever you're doing today... If you're celebrating Christmas, if you're not celebrating Christmas, if you're just having some general holiday celebration, if you're by yourself and celebrating with no one, we hope <laughs> that you at least have some time to reflect on the year and maybe find something good in it, even though it was chaotic and there seems to be so much bad in it. Hopefully there's at least one or two good things you can remind yourself of ha having happened this year and take those into the new year, 2021, which is going to be better for all of us. Has to has be to better be. for all of us. <laughs> has to be. <laughs> And yeah, we hope you all have happy and safe 
holidays and a merry pitmas and we are going to be coming back at you on monday Uh, just in a few short days uh with our (laughs) breakdown of the top 10 takeaways from the claire tasha season 16 of bachelorette it was historic in a number of ways we cannot even count but we're going to do it 10 is the number that we're going to count to that episode will be coming out monday and it will be available in full on patreon.com slash game of roses we will be giving our errors and plays of the season as well as our seasonal mvps as well during that and thanks as always for all the tids that you send to me bachelor clues they are appreciated they are savored there were so many tids this week flying around it was a tid hurricane i barely survived a tid of the week was there i bet it was the twins there were people getting covid there was the twins is that even a tid the the twins was a whole meal yeah that was not a tid (laughs) there there were too many to count at this point the amount of tids but i enjoy them all thank you so much for sending them and we have one week before Matt James's season starts where we will get into the game breakdowns for that season, but we will be doing a full breakdown of every player on Matt James's season next week. So look forward to that. And basically how we do these breakdowns, for those of you who might not have heard us do it last season, is we just look at their fucking Instagrams one by one. We scrutinize all of their posts to see who (laughs) we think, just by looking at their Instagram, is going to make a deep run. And let me just remind you, we predicted Dale Moss would win the season of Bachelorette by just looking at his Instagram. So we we are 100% accurate. (laughs) And before we go, as always, what is the dwab at? It has been 6,849 days without a black bachelor. Praise be Lord Harrison. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry! 
Your hair and skin will thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.